Take two. <laughs> and set. Yeah, that's what happens, you guys, when someone doesn't make sure that the microphone is working properly. Yours truly. Sorry. But hey, guys. Hey, everybody. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little crazed. Oh, yeah, I can only imagine. How do you feel about this episode? Uh, this episode was sad. It was really sad for me. Definitely emotional. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's tearjerker for sure, but it's not it's not a tearjerker in a good way. It, it just really isn't. It's not. And, you know, I think that that's the good thing about these types of documentaries is that it keeps us in our feelings to the point where, yes, we're showing empathy and we're upset and we want to help them find answers. But at the same time, we're allowed to get angry to find those answers. Absolutely. And these things should make us angry. Um, oh, absolutely. Really Any sort of case like this. Yeah. So we're um, going over episode three. Yep. From Hulu's Still Missing Morgan. Correct. And this episode is labeled A Fresh Look. Yes. Both Jacob Wetterling's case and Morgan Nick's case, they are bringing in new people and fresh eyes to take a fresh look. Yeah. into both of these cases. You know, it's a really good thing. And I think, you know, they uncover a lot of good information, um, which is part of what makes things kind of sad in this one. Right. So, And they mentioned that, you know, they're on the backs of those prior. They didn't want to talk anything down about the prior law enforcement agencies that had their hands in these cases but that they wanted to look at what all they had gathered and put fresh eyes on it. Correct. Well, and you know, you and I had talked about that before about different perspectives. You can read something and get a totally different emotion than what I can reading the exact same thing. It started out them talking to Patty and Patty was saying, you know, guys, I don't want the 25th anniversary of my son being disappeared, you know. And she was like, we need to do something. And if you've looked at something for the 70th time, you're, you're not, not getting it. What yeah. You're not seeing. Right. right. And And she literally says that. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. It does. Because, you know, you can look at a picture and get a total different idea of that picture than anyone else. Different perspectives, different outlooks. I mean, everybody needs that in their life, you know. And sometimes you just don't know when to step back and ask for someone else to look at, into that. And, right. and this is where we start this episode with Patty I go around the country and I have these training. Yes, the trainings and the talks. And she sees how setting fresh eyes on these cases, these cold cases, are actually solving those, those cases. cases. Yeah. And she's, uh, you know, she's talking to their guy, you know, her guys. And she's like, hey, where are all these people at, you know, that was here when Jacob went missing and 
you know, I'm, and he's like, okay, we're going to call in a team. And, and he's like, <laughs> it's the cards. <laughs> yeah. Team. The cards team. And he's like, okay, everybody, Patty's upset. Take it away, Patty. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, kind of threw her under the bus, but yeah. you know, and Patty's like, listen, she took the floor and yeah. she just straightened them out. Yeah. And she said, you know, if you've looked at this 70 times and you have not got what you're missing, you're you're not going to get it. You know, we need to find somebody that's going to look at it and get it. Right. Um, they eventually, uh, they they call in the cards and um, team and she's like, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And the cards team is child abduction rapid deployment. What they do is specifically work on cases that abduct involve abducted children children who have gone missing and they put their 100 percent full energy into finding that and right patty said that you know she has seen so many cases closed because of them you know calling in that particular uh team so when they did that you know and and they had this big meeting she said oh my gosh the energy was like Nothing it had been in a very long time. Right. It was she, all renewed energy. Yeah. Look at I'm I'm getting goosebumps. I, yeah. <laughs> she was very excited about it. You know, that they're finally listening and they're tr- they're gonna try something new. So at the beginning of this episode, you know, we're dealing with this and they call in the card team. She was letting us know that one of the things was a they had a female blogger. Who was writing in great detail about Jacob's abduction. Right. And she said she had lots of verified information in there. And she wrote the story very well to keep people updated on it. And, uh, you know, I I thought, man, that is just awesome that, you know, this woman took it upon herself to do that. But she wasn't only just writing about Jacob's abduction. She was writing about these uh, boys in these towns surrounding this abduction was being sexually uh, assaulted. Right. And she said that these victims, because of the story that she wrote about Jacob in her blog, was reaching out to her. So there were these kids that were getting sexually assaulted by a man, in the neighboring towns around the time that Jacob was abducted. Correct. This female blogger, these victims, well, one of them's name is uh, Jared. And, and he reaches out to her. Yeah, and Jared is from Cold Springs, which was real close by. Yes. From where Jacob was taking. He was victimized about 10 months earlier than uh Jacob's abduction. Yes. He was 10 months prior to Jacob being abducted. Correct. Jared reaches out to this blogger. Now, Patty goes on to say Jared and Joy Baker then start meeting with some of the other victims. Right. But it's never told what the blogger's name is. We're just to assume that Joy is... The, the female, yeah, the female blogger. Yes. Because I didn't know, and Jerrica didn't pick that up either, so we're assuming that that's probably what that is. 
But anyway, they start meeting with other sexual assaulted victims to get their stories. Right. They end up going to um, the guy with the cards unit. Uh, he was talking about it. Chris. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. I didn't write his name down. He goes in to talk to, and I apologize if I say his last name incorrectly. It is not said. So just phonetically, it's Chris Bowickers. That's kind of what it looks like. A to me. retired FBI special agent. He got into FBI because he was working in the railroad. And he kept seeing these signs of these missing children. And he said to his buddies, you know, I think I want to go into law enforcement. And not just law enforcement, but I want to go into the FBI and specifically work on missing cases. children yeah. cases. Yeah. And he so, said, and it was Jacob Wetterling that it was his His case. billboard sign yeah. that he kept seeing every day on the way to work. Yeah, that made that decision. I know it's insignificant to sit there and say that, but Jacob had made an impact on this man's life for him to actually change his whole career to actually go into doing this. And he's part of the CARDS unit. Yes. They get to the point where in 1990, Danny Heinrich had been identified as a suspect in a 12-year-old abduction in Cold Spring, Minnesota. This young man described his abductor in a very great detail. Obviously, he was turned loose, you know, for him to have done that. And the boy, his mother kept telling, and he, he was talking about how important he thought that one bit of information would be for later down the line. Because, you know, at that point, they weren't doing the DNA thing. Right. Because um, DNA has come loads incredibly far, <laughs> yeah, since, worlds apart from where it was since yeah. Jacob's abduction. They, you know, this detective was uh, very thorough in his writing. Uh, this is what Chris Boaker was telling in this story. He said that they tested for DNA, but he wasn't in CODIS. Right, and CODIS is. The law enforcement database for your DNA, your fingerprints, if you have been arrested, your fingerprints may be on file, but you're not required to give DNA. There are only certain cases that require you to give DNA. So he may have been arrested prior to that, but if he hadn't been arrested for something requiring him to give his DNA, his DNA was not in their system. Correct. And that's what they were saying, that they couldn't find anything because he wasn't in CODIS. But July of 2015, there was a slide that was provided, and it came back as Danny Heinrich. And the slide had a hair bulb in it. Yes. There were some 25 hairs that they received, but there was only one of those hair fibers that actually had a bulb of DNA in it. And it was a pubic hair. Yeah. So Patty goes on to say that there was a renewed energy with all the new eyes and focus and technology that she hadn't felt in years. She was very excited about that. 
So we're back to Morgan's case. It's May of 2020. And we're with investigator Sam Bass. Yes. And Sam Bass is very frustrated with this guy who has this information and has just basically sat on it. And you can just see. And he doesn't even say frustration. I mean, it's not even frustrated. He said it's just he's furious about it. Right. You know, and you can see it all over his face. And I I can't blame him. I understand. That would make me incensed. Having some sort of information like that at the tip of your fingers, but, oh, just kidding, I'm going to hold on to it for six years? Yeah. Oh, no, I would be furious and definitely incensed. And his thought, what what was it that the guy said? He was like, why didn't you come, you know, sooner with this? And he's like... I didn't know who to tell. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, wow. Anybody. You tell anybody. Yeah. So you can understand why he's incensed about that. So, Brett is in turn trying to interview witnesses based off of their testimonies that they had previously when Morgan first went missing. Right. They're doing the fresh look into Morgan's case. Right. And they're not trying to gather up any new evidence. They're going back to talk to the witnesses. So, this one guy, he's trying to get a hold of him. He's trying to get a hold of him. And he can't. And then that guy's dad shows up at the PD and is like, You know, I'm pissed off, for lack of better words, because we gave you this information from when I made the pad at this guy's house. And so then he's like, what? It turns out that this guy poured a pad three days after Morgan disappeared on this guy's property. This guy being? Billy Jack Links. Yes. Yeah. And he was frustrated because he reported this. Right after it happened and nobody contacted him again. Well, and he said that in um, when they did the one search of the property, they didn't, they didn't search where the pad was. And that's what frustrated him because he thought, well, if this guy did have anything to do with Morgan disappearing, that's probably where she was at. Right. So, yeah, the the dad that came in was very frustrated and actually just really mad about it because they had they had told them this guy that they were talking about had actually tried to abduct someone uh, about two and a half months after Morgan was abducted. Yeah. And they... Not just someone, but another little girl. Yes, yes. And they were like, oh, you know, we need to look into this. So when the guy leaves, and and they never specified who this guy was. Right, we never got a name. No, we just got the information that he had provided, you know, years prior. Right. So they go to looking into this, uh, this guy, and it turns out to be Billy Jack Links. And he was actually uh, arrested for sexual solicitation of a child about two and a half months after Morgan was abducted. Right. And it was in Van Buren. It was in the Van Buren Sonic. I know. We've been there several times. Isn't that just sickening? And I was like, you know... I was there back then, too, you know? Uh, Yeah. Mm, Yeah. So what happened was there were these three kids going out to the Sonic together. Two boys and their little sister. 
and the sister being 11 years old. Right. And this guy manages to lure them, what was it, two About blocks? About two blocks away from there. Yeah, yeah, away from the Sonic. After they got their ice creams, they had gone around the back, and he saw them. And he managed to lure them about two blocks away. Yeah, just talking to him, offering them money. He yeah. was trying to separate the boys from the girl. Right. He gave them a dollar each yeah. to go back and get ice creams or drinks, whatever they wanted, trying to get the boys to leave the little sister. Well, they were a few feet apart, but they never truly left her. And this guy is saying all this disgusting things to her, very sexually. Right there in front of the boys. And yeah, and, and offers he, to give the girl money, too. Yes. And what he does is drop a cigarette outside of his driver's side window. And it's like, hey, will you pick that up for me? And she takes off running, saying that she's yeah. going to go call the cops. Yeah. And she told the boys, meet me at Sonic. Let's get back to Sonic. Let's call the police. He had spilt a drink. And that, in turn, made him drop his cigarette, actually. Right. And he wanted her to pick that up, and she wasn't having anything to do it. Especially the way he talked to her. It was a very sexual conversation with an 11-year-old. I mean, come on, people. That's beyond disgust. Beyond disgust. And the girl is like, I ain't having it. And she's like, hey, let's get back there. Let's call the police. And that's exactly what they did. Well, he freaked out. And caused himself to wreck into a pole. And Which then, they heard. Yes, they heard the crash. And then he fled the scene. Yeah. And it just so happened to be that there was a guy at a bank. Was he at an ATM at the bank? I, I No, I'm not sure exactly. It just said that he was at the bank. And he, and he was witnessing this. the and whole thing yeah. happen. He didn't think it was right. He thought it was kind of nefarious. Right. So he actually took the guy's license, license plate, plate number. Yeah. So, yeah, the guy took down the license plate, and it turns out that it was Billy Jack Link's, uh, it was his truck. Oh, and guess what color truck it was? Yes. You guessed red. Yes. It was a red truck. And they're pretty sure that it was a Chevy truck because of the square lights and taillights. Yes, they said it was a boxy vehicle. And then it goes back to... Um, I think it was, was it Jessica that they were re-interviewing? Oh, I know. I yeah. cried. Yeah. Mm. And she was like... Jessica, to to remind you, is the little girl, well, grown woman now. Yeah. But she was the girl who was playing with Morgan before Morgan was abducted. Right. Time has passed, but she said she remembers the guy looking burly and, you know, is a white guy. And she said, I remembered the red truck and the red truck looked boxy and it had square lights. And she said, the reason that stuck with me was because we had a Chevy with square lights and it looked a lot like our Chevy. Right. You know, that was just really good accounting for someone that was so, so young you know, at that time. Right. They go and they're looking into this. Billy Jack, uh, you know, the, him trying to abduct this, you know, they're going over this. And um, they actually show up at his house because the guy from the bank gives them his uh, tag number and that's how they track him down. He crashes his truck and he flees the scene and the guy at the bank reports him, you know, with the tag number. 
And they find this guy. They go to his house. And uh, they got the search warrant and found wood on the front of his truck where he hit the pole. Correct. Damage to the truck. Right. That Um, lined up with hitting a pole. So they're searching the truck and his home for these items that the girl was talking about. Like... The wallet. The ball cap. Yeah, all these things. And they're finding all this stuff. And uh, for the most part, he's cooperating with this. Now, you got to know, this this made news. I mean, you know, this happening... Two months after Morgan's abduction. Yeah, it, it made news. So, you know, they're getting more information. They got the search warrant and everything, and they found all that stuff that the girl said. He was cooperating. He told them that he had been drinking, that he did wreck. He did not remember talking to kids. Right. That's where his memory just because he, he Listen, guys, he, he was over the bridge in Fort Smith at the liquor store buying liquor, and then he comes back over the Midland Bridge, and, you know, there, there's Sonic sitting there at the end of Midland Bridge. Right. And he sees these kids getting ice cream and goes back behind there. And, well, you know, he's had his liquid courage for the day. and he's, But they say that he really didn't need the courage to talk to the little girl because they think if he is the guy that abducted Morgan, that she gave him all the courage that he needed because he was very comfortable doing this, especially with doing it in front of two Boys. boys yeah and i truly believe had that little girl bent down and picked up that cigarette to give to him he'd have just yanked her up into the cab of the truck yeah. and been gone that would have been her. yeah that was his end that was the way of getting her was him dropping that cigarette and trying to get her to yeah. and and she had great detail about the cigarette to me for her to pause that long to have that kind of detail about the cigarette I think she was actually thinking about it, going and picking that up and giving it to him. But And God, I hope that's not the case. Uh, but there is such thing as being too nice. Teach your kids. Yeah. It just just the thought of that ugh, just makes my skin crawl. Just ugh. because I think had she picked that up, he would have had his end. The boys wouldn't have been able to do anything. Mm-hmm. And that would have been it. They go on to say that, uh, you know, he tells them that he was drinking. He couldn't remember a lot. He didn't remember doing these things. They had sent his truck to the crime lab to have some testing and stuff. In Little Rock. Yeah. And they had, and they they was like, "This, this was not something that they did. It was phenomenal that they had this, but... You know, before they go back to Jacob, you know, they say that the only thing that they have now is the original documents. They have none of the evidence. They that lost was all of the evidence that was collected out of that truck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was uh, one of the moments I had to stop and blow my nose because I was crying so bad. Because I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, what what has happened? You know, yeah. where where is this? That is a sinking feeling. So we go from that, and now we're going back to Jacob. Yes, still talking about Heinrich. 
they are sitting there telling him that they're fixing to search his house. Uh, they have a search warrant. And uh, the they were not asking permission either. They were telling him, yeah, we have a copy of this. We are going to execute this. Here is your copy. This yeah. is what we're doing. Yeah. And he was livid. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was like, I just don't think this is right. And, you know, you're going to find things that are going to make you... It's going to be incriminating to yeah. me. Yeah. So they're fixing to search Heinrich's house, and he is just, mm, he is just upset about it. And the fact that he was in the National Guard. Just, I know. And, you know, he was so proud of that military yeah. shrine that he made in his yeah. office. Outright disgusting. Yeah. Let me tell you why it's disgusting, guys. Because they found... Not just a little bit, but a whole slew of child pornography they found where he had taken cut out pictures of kids that he went to school with and pasted them on naked bodies of little children. I'm not talking male and female. Like, he is a male predator right. to these young boys. Right. So, they call Patty and her husband in. And she states that normally when they go in there, you know, they go like directly to the sheriff's, you know, office or whatever. And, and the lady was like, oh no, we're down here now. And they go down there and she said it was frightening. Yeah. It was frightening. And when she said that, oh my gosh, it just like stabbed me in the heart. It's bringing chills to me just thinking yeah. about watching this. I mean, the look on her face and, and oh my God, just God love her. She didn't know that they had the abductor's shoe. Right. But they knew about the print because she had seen the print. Like, Several times. Yeah. That's what they were doing. They were trying to update... Patty and her husband on all the things that they had found in Jacob's case. They're pretty sure, and Patty's pretty sure that this Heinrich is behind all this. And they put this shoe in this mold cast of the shoe print that was left behind. And it was perfect. And it was perfect. Same size, same exact shoe. And then they did, you know, they had the the mold from the tire, tire print and all this. And they were like, even though this is a match, there's nothing unique. Right. About, like, there's not a piece of rubber missing from the shoe. Right. That makes this a unique It couldn't shoe be print. concrete evidence because... Anybody could have bought that shoe right. at that size from a Sears catalog or a Sears store. Right. And that well, was it was the. I think it was the tire she was talking about could have bought it from Sears. But it, it still doesn't matter. I mean, you know, how many people would have had that shoe? How many people would have bought tires like that from Sears? Right. You know? And that's that's what she was saying. And she realized that. Yes, this is this is the man that has done this, that has taken her child. They have found the person that has done this, but is she going to get justice from this? Right. Because those two pieces of evidence weren't damning enough. Right. And 
And they called Jared in to show him the evidence with the shoe and the tire molding. Unfortunately, at that time, it was too late for Jared. The statute of limitation was already up, so he wasn't going to get justice for his rape. Right. Patty and her husband had known that Jared was going to be shown the same evidence. And, and he asked her for a hug. I know. I know. I know. I can't help it, guys. I'm sorry. She knows that he knows that there will be no justice for him. But they would not have found all the things that they had found had it not been for Jared. Right. And all the work that him and this blogger had done to find these victims and stuff. They would not be as far along without that. Jared knew he was a big part of the answers that they were getting, even though he he wouldn't get justice. And let me just stop right there. The whole fact of statute of limitations on a child being sexually assaulted is a crock of shit. It makes me ill. It does, absolutely. Why? Just why? Um, because there's no proof, and it's sickening that the burden of the proof is on, on the child. child. Yeah. yeah. But that's exactly what it sums up to be. There's no proof. There's only words that can be used, and it's frustrating as hell. Well, it's like the boy in the Cold Springs case. Now, we know that Jared was from Cold Springs, too, but we don't know if the two was related. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I know he was from Cold Springs. I thought you were going to say we don't know the other person's name, and I was saying no. No, we, we, don't. we don't. I don't know if they're related. We don't know. Well, we don't know if it's Jared. You know, the boy that kept wiping his mouth on the sleeve. We don't know if that was Jared's case or not that they were talking about because he was from Cold Springs, too. But there was proof that he did that. Right. Because they actually got his DNA due to that. Right. Okay. That's true. So that in itself proves that there's your, you know, burden of proof right there. But the fact that there's statute of limitations on child sexual assaults, it boils my skin. Yeah. There shouldn't be a limit on it. Yeah, it's just sickening. And, you know, Jared, if you end up hearing this podcast for any reason, just know you did a mighty thing by finding these people, by helping to bring this man to justice. Whether you get to make him atone for what he did to you or not, I'm just thankful that you know, you stepped up. And you're a survivor. Always keep your head up. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you ever, are, ever yeah. put your head down because you have survived. Yeah. Don't ever claim yourself as a victim. You claim yourself as a survivor. You survived this and you've excelled beyond it. And yeah. I give that advice to anyone who has gone through this. Yes. So, now we're back to Morgan, and they are finally going over this man's account. Of pouring the slab. Yeah. And it was, like I said, three days after Morgan had disappeared. And this is at Billy Jack Link's property. Property, yes. Yes. And 
uh, he said that there was a building built on top of it, but there wasn't a building when we were watching. What they did was go in to dig up the slab, dig up underneath it, and see what was there. Um, well, when they went to dig the slab, it was like a it was, double slab. It was 10 foot deep. It was 10 inches deep? Ten, oh, yeah, 10 inches deep. Oh, Sue don't know. <laughs> Sue don't know measurement. Sorry. This woman is not in the concrete business. It, no. was, it was 10 inches deep. So it was a double slab, which is very, very unusual, especially yeah. if you're... Like, you wouldn't pour a double slab for a home unless you were building the foundation up. Well, unless you were building a 15-story home. I mean, I couldn't imagine, you know, 10 inches of concrete. I mean, for a, a portable building? I mean... Yeah, not for a portable building. Just absolutely yeah. ridiculous. They break up the slab um, into, not intentionally, but they're just trying to get underneath it. And they're pulling it off of the dirt pad and they're saying that they're going to stack the dirt on top of the slab. Now, while they're talking about this, we also get Colleen getting a phone call saying, this is what's happening. So she calls and talks to, it doesn't say who she talks to, but what I assume is her daughter. Yeah. Um, So she's talking to Taryn and telling her uh, that they're going to be doing a dig and then She gets off the phone saying that, of course, she was crying, and I can understand that. I would be very emotional, too, because it means that they are trying to recover a body. Right. They're not looking looking for for a a missing person. They're looking for a body. And she said, and this is not the first dig. Right. But this one was. There have been many, and many credible digs. You know, there were a lot of information and stuff. But this one was very real to her because of the information that was behind it. Correct. Dig. They get to, they dig up the dirt. They get to the rock bedding and they leave it alone. Yeah. They, they just, they believe that there's nothing underneath that rock bedding. Personally, I would have dug further and further and further past the rock. That's just me personally. They also didn't. They did not the building and dig under the building either. Right. And they said that it was because that had been there since at least 1990. So it was there before Morgan was abducted. And of course they call Patty afterward to say that they did not recover anything. Right. And that's the only reason she did the interview was because of that. And they, they had to call her because it wasn't one of those things that, would be innocuous and in the, the press would probably get wind of it and you know they just they knew that the media would be there yeah. because of the location of that house right so they wanted to call her and and just give her a heads up and they you know they called her back and said obviously they didn't find anything and her biggest thing she's upset because She's pretty sure that this man, this Billy Jack Lynx, is probably the man that abducted Morgan. And she said, it doesn't matter because this suspect is dead and there will be no justice for Morgan, you know, or even for the family. Right. You know, the only thing I have to say about that is that would be awful if that was the scenario just downright awful that's why we continue our searches but to me I am a Christian and I do believe in God I believe in heaven and hell I think that there is a special place in hell 
for people like this. Yeah. For people who well, can commit these types of heinous crimes. Right. We didn't we didn't even get to the real beef of what they were saying about this guy. You no. know. I mean, he this guy I I'm not giving him any lip service at all. This demon that's what he'll be called out of my mouth. He three years before Morgan was abducted, he was accused of sexually assaulting his, his granddaughter. granddaughter. Okay. They go on to say he actually raped this child. Okay. One of the detectives was like, Well, you know, how much time did he serve? He didn't serve one stinking cent of time. No, he didn't. He got a 10-year suspended sentence. And incensed isn't even a good enough word. I need a word that is beyond that to describe the anger that I feel with district attorneys that let people off with a slap on the freaking wrist. Because a 10-year suspended sentence, he's not going to serve any time. He's going to be out there. She's going to have to see him. It was, uh, they called it a... An SIS, and it's suspended imposition of sentence, probation. Right. Ten years for raping his own granddaughter? Yeah. I mean, for not, the love not of to God, mention that it's people, incest, what? But she's a freaking child. Yeah, for the love of God, people, what What in the world? But, okay, so this, this is where I'm at with this. I don't know what's going to happen in episode four because I have not watched that. Uh, but this man should have been incarcerated. Absolutely. Okay. We already know that he tried to abduct a child. Mm -hmm. He sexually solicited her, an 11-year-old child. Right. Two and a half months after Morgan. Right. Also a hit and run, because that's what his accident was called. It is a hit and run. Yeah. And he raped his granddaughter. Right. Three years prior to Morgan's abduction, if this man had been incarcerated like Morgan, like her mother has explicitly said, if they would stop letting these people go. Yeah. They need harsher sentences. But here's my thing. Okay. This is a granddaughter that we know about. This is a young lady, 11-year-old child at Sonic Mm -hmm. that we know about. Who do we not know about? Right. We're pretty sure Morgan's in on that, too. Yeah. Who do we not know about? Where there's one, there's many. Yeah. That has always been the case. The wife of this man said that she couldn't even stand this man, but yet she stayed with him. Why? Uh, Most likely it was an abusive marriage. I'm hoping that we find out next episode because they say that they are going to go talk to her before she dies because she's up there in age. Yeah. And they found the truck that he had. They found the truck by running the VIN and it was like 45 miles from them and they were going to contact the owner and set up an interview and see if they could get that truck in evidence, put it back into Little Rock and search it from top to bottom to see if they could come up with anything before the guy hauls it off to a scrapyard, and they're going to try and talk to the ex-wife. So hopefully yeah. we'll find out next episode what comes of that. This story also brought up something that was really hard for us to deal with, and somebody said she might get brave enough to talk about. And I think it needs to be said. 
So this is always hard to talk about with missing children, kidnappings in general, attempted kidnappings, anything like that. Uh, because I was abducted. I was 18 years old. I was three months pregnant. And it was January 2nd. I had just started my first day at a new job. I'd gotten off that evening and I was going to be house sitting in Poto with my best friend. In fact, I had my phone on the center console of the truck because uh, I had the address pulled up. I was going to get the address when I got there and I had it pulled up on my phone so that I could just click maps when I didn't know where to go anymore. And uh, I needed fuel. I stopped at a gas station whose lights had just turned off and I ran inside. I knew the guy that was working. His name was Brody. He said, hey, I, I need fuel just to get me across town said, uh, I'm not going to make it if I don't get any. So he turned the pump on for me. He said, just come in and pay when you're done. So I did. And when I got back out to the truck, I started it up, put it in drive, got to the end of the drive, and I felt something press against my back. And there was a guy in my back seat. And he told me to turn left and drive toward Poto. Mind you, I was pregnant. Um, I told him, you know, let me call my dad. Let me call my friend. I said, let me just tell them that I'm okay. Couldn't call your husband because he was out on the oil rig. Right. He was working. And, uh, he said, don't reach for your phone. It'll be the last thing you do. So I very calmly talked to him while he was in the truck with me. We drove around Poto several times. I mean, he was in the truck with me for nearly an hour. And he told me all of his life's problems with his wife and well his ex-wife but um that his truck had broken down that he didn't mean to scare me that he just needed a ride to get to his wife they had some things that they needed to talk about told me his name told me his wife's name i eventually got him to put whatever it was he had which i always assumed was a gun but i never saw it um got him to put it down and he put his hands on the back of the seat that I was sitting in so that I knew where his hands were. I explained that I was pregnant and didn't really need to be terrified at that moment. We drove around. He ended up having me turn off toward old Poto, old Highway 112, um, past the little Totopoke there in town. If you're from that area, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're not, then give it a goog. But um, I had previously helped a friend of mine deliver newspapers there and I knew the route in those areas and he was taking me toward a dead-end road and it just so happened the I was driving a 2000 Chevy one-ton dually if you know what those are um, the e-brake was on the very far left side so if you know how to drive a manual then or a standard same thing then you would know that's usually where the clutch would go so I stepped on the e-brake, opened the door, grabbed my phone all at the same time. And I opened up my phone and I called Jesse and I said, there's a guy in the backseat of my truck. He's got a gun. He's got a weapon. And my phone died. And I ran off to the closest house that was near me. I was in the middle of a turn, mind you. So where the road was straight and there was a curve there and there was a house on the side there. 
I just ran to that house with my vehicle parked in the middle of the road, still in drive, still with the e-brake on, not going anywhere. And by the time I got back to it, he was gone. And I got up to the house that I was house-sitting and charged my phone. I said, all right, let's go down to the sheriff's office. Because it happened initially in county limits. And by the time I had gotten there, and I told the officer everything that had happened, the deputy, oh, my husband will get me if I say officer. Mm. I told the deputy everything that had happened. And um, Edgar was the guy I was talking to with the deputy. He turned his tablet around and said, can you point out who it was? And I got a real good look at him. And he had a scar across his cheek. And he was wearing a ball cap. And I could tell underneath that ball cap was red hair. And I pointed at the picture and I said, that's him. And they had booked him just minutes prior to that because he had beat the snot out of his wife. And she ended up in the hospital for 17 days. So it was the worst hour of my life. Um, I barely got any sleep that night. But before I went to work the next morning, I came home and I told you what had happened. Yeah. Wasn't happy that she waited that long to come tell me. I was very furious. Would you want a phone call? Hey, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what happened. Yeah, no. I wanted to be at the sheriff's office and be like, listen, dude, I need five minutes with this guy. You know? Your dad would have killed him. I know. Had I not been pregnant, I would have too. Yeah. That's, you know, I truly would have given that guy the right of his life, but... The only thing that I could think of was protecting yourself yeah. and your baby. Keep the baby safe. Keep the yeah. baby safe. Because at that time, you were having trouble carrying her. Yeah. Uh, I'd already almost miscarried her once. Yeah. Because you had to start taking the Rogam shots. Yeah. Yeah. My eight-year-old, she's my lucky child. I'm, yeah. I almost miscarried her three times. Yeah. Thank God for hospitals. Yeah. Thank God for competent nurses who will go to bat for you. Yeah. Had it not been for Stephanie, uh, Sarah's mom, I don't think I would have got the shot the first time and I would have lost her. Yeah. But that is why abductions, they kind of hit a lot closer to home than what people realize. Yeah. But the thing is, she kept a cool head. Yeah. Um. Got Don't into, ask me how the hell I kept a cool head either. Because well, I'm hot-headed I, naturally. Yeah, but I think, too, just the fact that, you know, you had had so much trouble keeping Lila, you know, not, not actually. When we didn't know it was Lila at the time. It, it, she was only three months along. So keeping the baby safe, I think, was what, you know, your motherly instinct kicked in. And it was like... Keep calm. Keep a level head. But here's the thing. She had all the dirt on him. He wouldn't shut his mouth. No, I kept him talking. Yeah. If there's yeah. one thing about me, I can get somebody to open up. Yeah. Yeah, and he told a lot of stuff. So she she had plenty of evidence against him. I had so. his first and last name, his wife's name. I had it all. Yeah. But sadly enough, I mean, he ended up getting the ride that he needed to go beat his wife up. Right. His ex-wife so, up, so. What's crazy is he, and this goes back to people not getting the sentences that they deserved, because he did go to prison. But he was in prison less than three years, and yeah. that's both for the assault and battery and the kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then he was out. And the thing is, I probably would have given the guy a ride had he asked. And, like, had he done the appropriate thing, I'd have been like, sure, man. Because I'm a nice person. I'm a safe person, but I'm a nice person. Yeah. It might not have been a safe thing, but if he would have been a decent person and, you know, done the right thing. Right. They've been like, yeah, I got to go to Poto anyway. I'll drop you. Where, yeah. where do you got to go? So I'll drop you as close as I can safely. Yeah. yeah. Let, let me just reiterate this too. She never went back to that gas station after that either. So no, to this day. And it, and it wasn't the gas station's fault. Right. I mean, but they should have done better. But they did give video. So. Yeah, they did have the video of it. Yeah. So, I mean, CCTV is not all it's cracked up to be. But, yeah. No, I lied. I, I've been there. They've renamed it. It's under a new company. I've been well, there yeah, uh, well, one time. <laughs> no, I lied because I said you didn't go back. But, you know. Yeah. No, it was storming really bad. And Stacy and I were coming toward Fort Smith. And we both couldn't see in front of us. And I called her and I said, hey, pull up here at the... Uh, Gas station. I'm not going to say the name of it, but I was like, pull up here at the gas station. I don't even know what the name of it is anymore. Anyway, guys, we will pick up on episode four next week. And hopefully set these out on a more scheduled. Yes, on a scheduled basis. Guys, My, I've been extremely busy in my home life. Um, you know, Rich working two full-time jobs and I'm very grateful for mom stepping in and helping out with this well hey you know I like this one this one hit home we have enjoyed this series I do strongly suggest anyone to watch it right thanks for keeping us company yes thanks for keeping us company guys yeah